0: There we go. Are we all there? Philippians 3? We're going to start reading in verse 3. All right. So you guys follow along, and we're going to start in verse 3. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Jesus Christ, and have no confidence in the flesh. We're going to hear the word flesh a lot, so we're just going to define that real quick for you. Flesh is talking about what our body wants to do without any influence from God or the Holy Spirit or any of spiritual influence. So that's just what our base emotions and our bodies want to do or our minds saying you should do this, but we know it's probably not what the Bible says we should do. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, this is Paul. He says if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. He says, I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. Okay, so raise your hand if you are of the stock of Israel. That means you're in the family of Israel. No? How about um, in the tribe of Benjamin? No? Nobody? Hmm. Um, let's see, were you concerning the law blameless? That means you followed the whole Old Testament law, all the Ten Commandments, you didn't break one of them? No? Wow. Apparently, we don't really do these things today, do we? In 2020. What kind of things would you say would make a girl, mm, they're good things that you should do? So, in When Paul was alive, all of these things that he just listed off that we kind of go, what? Are things that made him look really good in the eyes of the religious people of that day. So what are things that people could do today that would make them look really good? So I thought of one. Let's say you remembered it was your mom's birthday, and so you cleaned the whole house for her. Is that a nice thing to do? Yeah, do you think some people might think you're a good person because you do that? yeah I would think you're a good person if you did that what are some other things do you have any ideas did you raise your hand you're just putting your hair behind your ear what are some good things make breakfast I would really like you if you did that that's for sure would your dad know if it was clean yeah okay well then that would be a good thing for him that would be nice, making cookies. Yes, that would be nice. So all of these, I'll get one more. You in the back here. You're going to have to speak really loud, sorry. Do everything for your parents. Wow. They wouldn't know what hit them. That is true. So all of these, these are really nice things, don't you think? Wouldn't you all agree these are nice things? And these are things that we would say in 2020, not in a long time ago when Paul wrote this, that probably make us look good in God's sight. So in verse hmm, 5 and 6 that we just read, I want you to put all those things you guys just said. And then let's see what Paul says about this. We're going to skip back to verse 4. He says that though I might have confidence... In the flesh, if anyone thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, i more so. So Paul is basically saying, trust me, guys, I have done more good things than all of you guys put together. I've got this. I've done everything that people will look at me and think is good. So let's skip to verse 7 and see what he says about all these good things. He says, but what things were gained to me, those are all the good things that he did that made Paul look really good. What does he say? These I counted loss for Christ. Hmm. That's a little interesting, isn't it? He says, all these things that made me look really good, for Christ's sake, I had to count all of those as absolutely worthless. They were nothing. So now we can ask the question, why? Do you have any little brothers and sisters that ask you why all the time? Do you know why they say why? Because they're learning. So we're going to learn today, and we're going to ask why. Let's look at what it says. He says, yes, indeed, I count all these lost. Why? For the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. So Paul is saying, and we'll skip up to uh, verse 9. Yeah, verse 9. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God, by faith. And now we're to our verse that we're going to study this week. That I may know him. That's our phrase for today. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, being conformed to him in his death. So Paul says he counts all of these things that would make him look good, loss not worth anything, so that he can know God, so he can know Christ. And so we have to ask ourselves, why is knowing Christ so important to Paul? Why did Paul think that this was the best thing in his life and that he could count all these other things lost so that he could know Christ? Hmm, that's what we're going to look at today, I promise. So, looking at how can I know Jesus and what does it mean to know Jesus we're going to look at three steps that will help us to get to know Christ and hopefully later today you'll get a chance to talk with your counselors and maybe figure out what step it is that you can work on when you go home or this week to help you be able to know Christ better so the first step That's our verse, is very important. The first step in order to know Christ is that I must accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. So before we can even think about going to steps two and three, we must first accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. I don't know how many of you guys have listened to the news or heard little rumors of things going on, but our world is kind of a mess, isn't it? Would you say it's kind of a mess? And sometimes we say, so what can we do about this mess? And I promise in the Bible, God has all the answers, but they all start right here with accepting Jesus as our Savior. And. Jesus Christ can have the answer to all these problems. Sometimes when we listen to the news or we hear what our friends say, we might feel a little bit nervous or scared about what might happen. How is this going to resolve itself? What is going to go on in the world? Or maybe there's a situation in your family and you're wondering, how can this get better? And we can rest assured that all of these answers can be found, but we have to start right here with knowing Jesus Christ as our Savior. So let's look at a couple things in this process. We're going to go really fast, and I really encourage you. This is important. And if you have any questions, please talk to your counselors or to me or to any of the staff, and we would love to answer those questions. So let's look at what is salvation. What does this mean? Um, The first thing we've got to do is recognize That we are a sinner. What is a sinner? Any ideas out there what a sinner is? Right there. Someone who sins. That is exactly right. A sinner is someone who sins. Yeah. We all make mistakes. Yeah. So I'm going to give you a really quick definition for sin, and we're going to put some hand motions to it. Some of you have probably heard this definition. So sin is anything we think, say, or do that goes against God's word. Can we try that? Sin is anything we think, say, or do that goes against God's word. Now... If we don't know God's word, can we know what sin is? What do you think? If we don't know God's word, can we know what sin is? It's true. Even if you had an idea, oh, maybe I shouldn't push my sister down the stairs. You probably wouldn't care. That's a very good way to put it. Exactly. You wouldn't be looking for, oh, is this sin? Is this not sin? Thank you. So anything we think, say, or do that goes against God's word. So this is sin. And the Bible tells us in Romans 3 and verse 10 that nobody is righteous. We have all sinned. So I don't know if someone out there thought you had a little halo on your head, but I'm sorry, we have all sinned. And Romans 3.23, just a couple verses later, says again, for all have sinned, and we've come short of the glory of God. So we re- when we recognize this first step that we are a sinner, we can say, okay, so what? This is the important question. So what does this mean that we're a sinner? If everybody in this room and everybody in the whole world is a sinner, why should it bother us? Right? That's a good question. So what does sin do? Sin will separate us from God. And that is not what this says. There we go. So sin separates us from God, and we cannot have any type of relationship with God. God is holy, and in a quick sense, Holiness means there's absolutely nothing impure about God. And because he's holy and because he's God, he cannot allow anything impure or holy to be in relationship with him. So as a sinner, we are separated from God. And what does that mean if we're separated from God? It means that we deserve death because God is life. And so we deserve death. In Isaiah 59, this is in your Old Testament, verses 1 and 2, it says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that he can't hear. But your sins, your iniquities, have made a separation between you and God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he cannot hear or he does not hear. So if we are sinners and we are separated from Christ... We can't find any help in God. We can't. We, he won't hear our prayers unless they're prayers calling out for His salvation. And so we have this separation, and that's that's really sad, isn't it? To think that you are separated from God forever. But there is a solution. Now I would ask you, what do you think you can do to solve this problem? And I'm not going to ask that because there's nothing you can do. There's nothing I can do to solve this problem. You and I, we're sinners, and nothing we can do can help us to be together and unified with Christ. But God had an idea. He looked at the world, and he said, I love all of these people, and I want them to be in relationship with me. So I'm going to give them a gift And I am going to give them the ability to reach out and take this gift and be in relationship with me. So this gift, as you probably know, is Jesus Christ. Romans 6 verse 23 says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then in John 14 verse 6 it says, Jesus is speaking and he says, I am the way, the path. Like Katie was talking about last night. I am the way, the truth and the life. No man can come to my father, can come to God except by me. So Jesus was saying he is the way that we can have this relationship with God once again. So what do we do with this gift? All right. There's this beautiful gift in front of us. What do we do? We have to reach out and take it, right? We accept that we can't do anything about our sin. We're sinful. But Jesus Christ can come in and he can be the price for our sin. He can stand in between us and God. Um, In Acts 16.31, it says that you need to believe on the Lord. And in Ephesians 2, it says that um, by grace we are saved through faith, not of our own works, lest any person should boast. So it's very clear, we can't do anything. You can't do anything that will help you to be with Christ, but we can have faith in Jesus' gift of salvation. So what happens once we accept by faith this gift, then we are together with Christ. In John 10, it says that my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one can take them out of my hand. Once we have accepted Jesus as our Savior, we are secure in him. And nobody can take us out. Nobody can tell you that you're too terrible. God could never save you. Because he did. You accepted that gift of salvation. And we have now relationship with Jesus Christ and with God. Um, We don't have to try and do our life all by ourselves. We have help. We have someone who will never, ever leave us, someone who will love you no matter what you do, no matter where you go in the world, he'll be there with you. And that's something really exciting that we have in Jesus Christ. Um, and I accepted this when I was seven years old. I realized that I needed to have Jesus as my Savior. And I realized that I couldn't do it my own way because that's what I always thought I was I was a very stubborn little girl, and I said, I want to do this my way. I don't want anyone else telling me what to do. And that's what I thought salvation was. I'd have God telling me what to do. Who loves people telling them what to do? Nobody? Ooh, we got some people who like telling you what to do. Your counselors must love you. But most people really don't like that, and that's what I thought salvation was. Now God's in my life, and he's my boss, and, and he'll just tell me what to do all day, and I don't want that. And then I finally realized that's not the primary reason for salvation. It's because I'm separated from God, and in myself, no matter how hard I try, I can never Be in a relationship with God on my own. And I wanted that relationship. So I accepted Jesus as my Savior. And I took his gift. And I was able to have that relationship with God. And I realized that God gives us principles and guidelines in the Bible to help keep us safe. To help us to become more like God. He's not a drill sergeant just yelling orders just because he wants to teach you, I don't know, to do 50 push-ups. That's not how God works. Everything he does is for my good and for the good of everyone who has accepted him as Savior. So this is step one, accepting Jesus as our Savior. Now, if you've done this, I will be very excited to show you the next steps. If you haven't, this is something that I would encourage you today to talk to your counselor about. All right, so step one. Let's read this together. Accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. All right, now we're on to step two. Search for Jesus every day in the Bible. Where is a good place to get to know God? The Bible, right? Do you all have your Bibles with you this week? I think right after this you get a chance to study the Bible on your own a little bit or with your counselors, however you're doing that. But the Bible is important. So remember, Paul said he gave up all of these things that made him look really good in order to know Christ. So one of the things that we get to do as a Christian is get to know Christ. He said knowing Christ was of incomparable value. And sometimes we might say, okay, um, how? Why? Why is knowing Christ so important that I would give up this good image of people looking at me and saying, oh, they're really good because she does this, 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 and this? Why would I think that as nothing and just focus on getting to know God? And that's a good question. But that's something that grows. So as you study, as you get to know God more, you will understand this even more. And you might ask, how do I read the Bible? Because this is a rather large book. Does anybody here dislike reading completely? I'm very sad for you guys. But that doesn't mean you have to sit here and start at the beginning and read all the way through every day or every month. Um, This is a big task, so we're going to look at a few things. I'm going to share with you my favorite idea for studying the Bible because it it helps me and hopefully it will help you all to understand and get to know God. And it's to ask this question, what is great and good about God? Sometimes we open our Bible and we read it and we say, all right, um, Today, I need to be kind to my brother because it said, uh, be kind one to another. Or um, I don't need to lie. Who are we thinking about when we read just like that, and that's all we get out of the Bible? Are we thinking about God? Who are we thinking about? Yourself. I need to do this and I need to do that. And yes, the Bible does. Tell us some things to do. But the primary purpose that God gave us His Word is so we can get to know Him. And so, if you ask yourself this question, what's great and good about God, we can get to know Jesus even better. So, if you all are still in Philippians 3, we're going to hop over and we're going to practice because practice makes perfect. So, go right across the page or down the page or turn the page and go to chapter 4. We're going to read verses 4 through 7, and while we read these, we're going to think about this. What is great and good about God? And then I'm going to ask you, I'll give you an example so you guys know where we're going, and then I want to see what you guys can find in these three, four verses, can't do math, four verses that's great and good about God. All right, so let's look at Philippians 4. We're going to begin in verse 4 and just read four, five, six, and 7, all right? So what is great and good about God in these verses? If we look at the first one, rejoice in the Lord always. God is always good. We can rejoice always in him. He is always good, right? Did anyone else find any things that are great and good about God that you want to tell us from these verses? He will guard our hearts and minds. That's right. What else? He loves us no matter what. That's true. Yes. What else? He gives, us peace. he gives us peace. Yes, which surpasses all understanding. That means it's peace so big we can never understand it. He's near. He's near. There's probably a few more in here, but does that give you an idea of how you can read the Bible and find out who God is and get to know God better? This is so important as you do your devotions. And set aside a time that you can understand who God is. It's also important that you learn how God wants you to live your life. And that should be something that you also look for. But the first primary purpose that God gave us his word is so that we can know who he is. And we can get to know him. And if we always read the Bible thinking about ourselves, we're not going to get to know God very well. Um, Let's go really quick in Psalm 61, and we're going to do another one. So, Psalms is like right in the middle of your Bible almost. And it has lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of chapters. And we're going to go to chapter 61. And we're going to do the same thing really quick, but we're going to look at this chapter instead. So, hop on over. When you're in Psalm 61, let me see your beautiful eyes so I know you're there. Right in the middle of your Bible. All right, so we're going to look at the first four verses in Psalm 61 and do the same exercise. This is a a psalm that is encouraging and tells us a little bit about God in this specific psalm, but it uses different language than Paul uses. So we're going to see if we can figure out some things that are great and good about God here. Hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. What is great and good about God in Psalm 61? He'll shelter us from what? What does it say he'll shelter us from? The enemy, yes. Now, sometimes our enemy might be a person. Sometimes our enemy might be a situation in life. There's lots of different things our enemy could be. He's faithful, faithful, yes. He'll lead us. us. That's an important thing to remember, isn't it? Anyone on this side? He listens to to our prayers. Isn't that comforting to know that God will listen to our prayers? You're going to have to holler really loud. Yes, he'll always love us and he'll be our refuge. All right, so when you do your devotions and you read the Bible each day, try and find at least one thing that's great and good about God and see how much you get to know God and how precious he is. Just the little things that we've talked about today, isn't that encouraging to know that God loves us, that he hears our prayer, that he's always good? And that can help us be encouraged even when times are kind of rough so let's let's review here what's step one can you read it with me accept jesus as your lord and savior and then step two search for jesus every day in the bible and now we're going to look at the last step talk with jesus in prayer So now that you know a little bit more about who Jesus is, we can move on to this final step about talking to Jesus. How many of you have a really good friend that you love to talk to? I've got one like that. Now, have you ever had a conversation with this friend where you're just talking and talking and talking and talking and talking and and that friend doesn't say a single word? just kind of sit there. Will she ever be quiet? Do you like that? That would be kind of weird, wouldn't it? I think that's a little bit, it's not exactly the same, but it's very similar to if we just read the Bible, that's God talking to us, but we never communicate with him also. It's kind of a one-sided conversation, isn't it? So how can we talk to how can we talk to God in prayer? Now, when I sometimes in my life, I have had this idea that prayer is like a vending machine. So, a vending machine, you put in your money, you type in the number for what you want, it falls out and there you got it. And so in my prayer, I would be like, "Um, let's see what do I want? I want it to be sunny tomorrow so that I can go to the park." Lord, please help it to be sunny tomorrow so I can go to the park and I'm waiting for it to fall out of the vending machine and come out. And that's what I thought prayer was. That's not what prayer is, is it? That's kind of a silly thought. I can't believe I thought that. So what is prayer? There's a few things that we're going to look at and hopefully you can have time to look at them later with your counselors. Something we forget is that we need to worship God when we pray we need to worship God for who he is, for the great and good things that we heard about God or that you studied in the Bible. So remember when Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Who knows the Lord's Prayer? Who can recite that? Does someone want to stand up and say like the first sentence for me or so? You can go for it. That is a really good way to start the prayer. I like that. Does anybody else know how the Lord's Prayer starts? And You want to try it for us? Exactly. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What in the world is Jesus saying you should be saying? What is hallowed? Oh, That's a little bit old language, isn't it? Basically what Jesus is saying here, hallowed means holy. Jesus is teaching his disciples to praise God for who he is. So we're saying our Father in heaven, so we know that he is in heaven, that he's our Father as we're Christian. And his name is sacred. Your name is sacred. Your name is holy. Your name is above any name. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he taught them right at the beginning, start with worshiping God for who he is. And so this is a very important part. Another thing that we need to do in our prayer is confess our sins. Now, remember, what, what is sin? Try it with me. Anything I think, say, or do that goes against God's word. So if we sin and we're against God's word, we have a separation between us and God. And we need to confess that sin so that he can forgive us and restore our relationship. So confessing our sins. Sins is another important thing to do. And you can look up and read about that in Psalm 51. David has a prayer of confession for his sins. Another thing that we can do is pray scripture. Sometimes um, I want to pray for my friends or I want to pray for my family, but I say, I don't know what to say. I, I don't know. I want to pray for them. I know I'm supposed to pray for them, but I don't know what to do. So... There's some scripture passages. You can write these down or you can look them up. It's up to you. In Colossians 1, verses 9 through 12, um, the the apostle Paul gives a little bit of what he's praying for the Colossian believers. I'm not going to read you all of it, but I'll just kind of give you an idea of some of the things that it says. So starting in verse 9, it says, For this reason, since the day we heard it, we don't cease to pray for you. And this is what Paul prays for them. He says, we ask that you be filled with the knowledge of his will so we can pray for our friends and our family that they'll know what God wants them to do. Um, That you'll be fruitful, that you'll please God, that you'll increase in knowledge for God. Um, And he gives thanks for them to the Father. So I like to use this passage and also Philippians 1, verses 9 through 11. It's kind of helpful because they're the same passages, just Philippians and Colossians. And I like to pray these things for my friends and family because I know these are things God wants for them because they're in the Bible. And so these are some things that we can pray for God, to God for. Now, also, there are times when we have a really, really fast prayer like we're going to get ready to take a test and we say, Lord, help me remember everything I studied and everything I didn't study and do good on this test. And there's times for that. But there are, we need to remember to worship God, to praise God for who he is, and to confess and to pray these scriptures back to God. So to. This afternoon, this is still morning, this morning afterwards, I hope you get a chance to talk with your counselor about some of these things. Um, I also want to let you know that you can come and talk to me about anything. I've been praying for you and for this week, and I'm excited to see what God wants to do in your lives.